Elizabeth Brunig writes for the New York Times, and in this since-deleted tweet, she says, If I were a Dem watching Bernie endorsing Joe Rogan say he'd rather vote for Trump than Biden, I would be spending a lot more time sweating how many more feel that same way and why than nagging Bernie's communications kid to tweet, Joe Rogan is bad now. To his credit, Bernie's communications kid has not tweeted, Joe Rogan is bad now. And the neoliberal Democrats are losing their shit about it. But Trump! But Trump! You can't vote directly for Trump! And even though Elizabeth probably won't vote directly for Donald Trump, nor will I, we both understand the power of the people who will vote directly for Donald Trump in a general election who are so pissed off that they've stolen Bernie from us. I'm guessing that Elizabeth removed this tweet because it was getting her ratioed on Twitter. It had 20 and a half thousand likes and 3,000 retweets before she deleted it. There's something going on here with Joe Rogan and the voters he represents. He has the biggest podcast in the world, and there are a lot of people who follow him and who agree with him that Trump is probably better than Biden, even though they may not vote for Trump. Trump is better than Biden. I don't know if you've noticed it lately, but Trump is running considerably to Biden's left in this campaign. Combine that with the justifiable rage that they've scuttled Bernie Sanders' campaign, probably from the inside, if you look at the way Barack Obama has been dealing with things. It's no wonder that people are mad enough to say, at least I'm not going to vote for Joe Biden ever. In the next clip, I'm going to talk about whether Elizabeth is right that Bernie is actually saying goodbye. Dun, dun, dun. A little foreshadowing here. I have a feeling that Bernie is sending his followers some mixed messages, and perhaps even within those messages are some clues that we can follow as to what he truly wants us to do. Please stay in this fight with me. Let us go forward together. The struggle continues. But as I review Elizabeth's April 8th op-ed here, I'm going to leave it stand that she says goodbye to an honest man's campaign. Frankly, I think it's too early to say goodbye. Bernie Sanders was right. Goodbye to an honest man's campaign by Elizabeth Brunig, opinion writer for the New York Times. Bernie Sanders has ended his campaign for the Democratic presidential nomination, which is a tragedy because he was right about virtually everything. He was right from the very beginning when he advocated a total overhaul of the American healthcare system in the 1970s. He remains right now as a pandemic stresses the meager resources of millions of citizens to their breaking point and possibly to their death. He was right when he seemed to be the only alarmist in a political climate of complacency. He is right now that he's the only politician unsurprised to see drug companies profiteering from a lethal plague with Congress's help. In politics, as in life, being right isn't necessarily rewarded, but at least there's some dignity in it. And again, I want to stress that I don't think Bernie is ending his campaign. He's suspending his campaign, which is to me sort of like a horror film, at least to the liberal Dems, where his lifeless corpse might suddenly open its eyes and blink a few times at us. Back to Elizabeth. In fact, both of Mr. Sanders' presidential campaigns, beginning with his announcement in 2015 and ending here, were about dignity. Not only broad human dignity, 
Mr. Sanders's relentless focus on the grim lives of the American poor, sick, and disenfranchised is perhaps the greatest pay-in to the notion in modern political memory, but also the daily personal sort we grant one another each time we tell the truth. Mr. Sanders is not and has never been a liar. His remarkable consistency over time, his notorious bluntness, and his open disdain for sycophantic politics are all simply manifestations of that one critical fact. It made him an awkward fit for Washington, and it built him a movement. A member of Congress for nearly 30 years, Mr. Sanders has been bitingly frank about the way that money strangles American democracy. Rich individuals with a vested interest in defanging egalitarian politics donate to campaigns, PACs, universities, and think tanks in hopes of purchasing lawmakers' loyalties and rigging the legislative process in their favor. These oligarchs, the Koch brothers, the Mercers, and Michael Bloomberg, among others, exert control over our politics that far exceeds the one vote accorded to each citizen. Mr. Sanders wagered that the only way to battle the Leviathan was with sheer numbers. In 2019, 1.4 million individual donors from all 50 states sent the Sanders campaign some $96 million without closed-door fundraisers, hobnobbing in the Hamptons, or groveling to billionaires. Mr. Sanders knows as well as everyone on Capitol Hill that you can't really resist the people who sign your paychecks. He was just the only one willing to say it and to accept all that entailed. Mr. Sanders was also honest about the unflattering facts of American life in a period of unusual liberal nostalgia for the way things used to be. In 2016, when Hillary Clinton ran on the premise, as opposed to Donald Trump's, that America is already great, Mr. Sanders contended that just wasn't so. America, he argued, is a place where the strong prey on the weak with almost total impunity, especially when that strength is wielded against workers, especially when those workers are undocumented immigrants, women, poor, sick, precarious. And as Joe Biden prepares to mount a general election campaign based largely on the fantasy of going back to normal, meaning the Obama years, Mr. Sanders remains critical of life under the past administration. He contends that the bailouts bestowed upon Wall Street by the federal government during the 2008 financial crisis were a disaster that rewarded financial malefactors and that the fallout of the recession continues to crush average Americans under debt, poverty, and stagnant wages. None of this is pleasant to hear, and Mr. Sanders has never been a particularly mellifluous speaker. Much has been made in the past several years of his loudness, his anger, his bracing, impolitic bluntness, but that, too, is a sign of his respect for voters. There is so little freedom in the world. Even here, now, in our celebrated liberal democracy, social mobility is incredibly limited compared with that in countries of comparable development, and there appears to be very little we can do about it. One freedom that cannot be taken from you is your freedom not to like the status quo, your freedom to be angry, disaffected, unimpressed, your refusal to be cajoled, soothed, or consoled with small tokens of influence devoid of real power. Mr. Sanders, ill-tempered and impatient with pleasantries, embodied that freedom, and he offered it to you. Now again, I want to mention that Elizabeth offers this as an obituary, and I don't think it's time for that yet. So stay tuned for the next clip, where we decide that it's probably too soon to stick a fork in this candidacy.